Welcome to the Landmark Apostolic Church Podcast. We hope that this message inspires you and brings impact to your life. Enjoy the message. Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. And I just want to read one verse of Scripture. Verse number 6. Amen. This is the famous Sermon on the Mount. Begins and really kind of concludes all the way in Matthew 11. Uh, Verse number 6, Jesus said, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. They shall be filled. Amen. And uh, I just want to talk to you for the next little bit from this title, Close the Gap. Close the Gap. God bless you this morning. You may be seated. Where are my uh, sauce people at this morning? Sauce? Sauce? No sauce? Sauce? Like it doesn't matter how good the steak looks. Like you're asking the waiter or waitress for sauce. Raise your hand. Where are my sauce people at? Look at all the other people judging them right beside. Like, man, I thought you were a legit friend. Now I find this out about you. <laughs> sauce people, it, it means that, right? Like regardless, you know, you go out to a steakhouse and it doesn't matter how legit the place is. You're asking for the for the A1 or, or whatever their, their house sauce is. Or maybe you're at home, right, and you're cooking that meat until it's done done, right, Like it, and you have to put sauce on it in order for it to make its way down your esophagus. Those, you know what I'm talking about? Got one in the back. We were at, we were at Texas Roadhouse in Colorado. <laughs> we, uh, we, got a, we got a couple steaks, and uh, we were... We got our food and everything. The waitress had left, and and uh, Brother Rice wanted some A1 sauce. And uh, my steak, I didn't. Eat, I, I usually check to see if it needs sauce. That's how I operate. Like, cut into it, take a bite. Okay, I'm not afraid to ask for sauce. But it was really comical. <laughs> he asked for sauce. So he had to clarify. Hey, the steak is amazing. I just like A1. <laughs> and so it's like he didn't want to offend anybody. You know, it's okay to offend people at a restaurant once you've gotten your food. But until then, don't offend anybody in a restaurant. Amen. But uh, it's, it's so funny, right? There, uh, there are these, these things that we like in food or appetites are really a, a funny thing. And what happens is, is we get these tastes, right? And these tastes begin to define what we're drawn to and what we're not drawn to. And, and one of the things that I find fascinating about the idea of appetites and what we're drawn to and what we think is gross is that really they are formed over time, okay? And, and what we desire, what we are hungry for, both sends us to certain spaces and makes us say no to certain things. And the, the, this concept is not just, you know, uh, a physical reality. It's how the Bible likes to talk about spiritual maturity, all right? Like what you're hungry for, where your appetites are, actually reveal whether you are on a path of, of maturation or you are headed back into infancy is really the argument of the scriptures. That either you either grow in your palate towards the things of God or you get stuck drinking a bottle for the rest of your life. And so let me show you this. The Apostle Paul, he talks about unbelievers in this way, people who don't don't love Jesus, who don't follow Jesus. This is what he says in Philippians 3. He said, for I have told you often before, and I say it again with tears in my eyes that there are many whose conduct shows they are really enemies of the cross of Christ. 
Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly. And they glory in their shame with minds, their minds set on earthly things. He's talking about they're, they're driven by their primal impulses, right? Lust, more, I have to have it. That sin shapes us into there's never enough, so I've got to get mine. And so Paul's going to go on and say that an unbeliever, an enemy, those who uh, walk as enemies of Christ are driven by their bellies. In 1 Corinthians 3, 1 through 3, he says this, but I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. And even now you are not yet ready, for you are still of the flesh. For while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? Hebrews would go on to say that it says about this in chapter 5 and verse 11, about this we have much to say and it is hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. The writer says you need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. Okay, so what's happening here in these rebukes is there's a picture being painted of of us not maturing at the right rate, not not growing into what he calls solid food, but rather still on milk, right? We are still in our flesh. And this is fascinating to me because these people are Christians. This is written to people like you and I who know Christ. Paul affirms it. You people are in Christ, you're just a baby. You're in Christ, you're just still on the bottle. And this is, this is kind of, uh, just to kind of paint a, a picture for you, this is kind of like a grown man that is swimming in the kiddie pool all by himself. Who's going to let their little boy or little girl go over to the kiddie pool if there's a 60-year-old man in there with floaties and goggles on having a good time. I'm probably calling somebody. I'm probably getting out of there, right? And Paul, Paul is trying to draw our attention, draw, trying to draw our attention to there is a way of maturation that leads to another level that goes higher. And so you also get a picture of what it means to be mature. So you get the picture of what, it's, what it means to be a baby, what it means to be immature in Christ, but you also get the picture of what it looks like to be mature, skilled in the word of righteousness is what he says. The absence of strife, the presence of unity. So This is not just a rebuke of what is immature, but a picture of what is mature. And so what I want to do today is simply this. And I'm believing that if you're here today, there is a certain level of hunger and thirst for righteousness. That you are hungry to become more like Christ. That you do, in fact, have a thirst for the things of God. If not... What the text says about us is true, that we are driven by our bellies. And the beautiful part of the promise from Jesus is this. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. And he'll go on to later define righteousness in chapter 5. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Why? Because they will be filled. They will be full. They will be satisfied. That's a great promise. So really quickly before we we really jump in, one thing I hope that you can take away from all of this this morning, if, if I could just drive something home or rather drive something out of our minds is, is a better way to put it. I hope that it would be this, that 
we could get it out of our minds that God is after us being perfect. Instead, my hope is that you'll replace it with what is it that he honors? What is it that he delights in? What he delights in is a hunger and a thirst for righteousness. See, here's what I believe. If you won't rely on the perfection of Christ and instead you need to be perfect, you need to be the perfect wife, you need to be the perfect husband, you need to be the perfect mom or dad or whatever, if that's what you rely on, then there will always be a gap between you and Christ. Always. There will always be a gap there. But what if you can rest? Rest in what God says about you. What if you can rest in his forgiveness, in his grace, that you can rest in his delight and you can shift gears away from, let me try to be perfect and instead, let me try to cultivate as best I can a hunger and a thirst for righteousness. And and this is all over the Bible. When we talk about the heroes of the Bible, this is, this is what they possess, a hunger and a thirst for the things of God, not perfection. These are deeply flawed people meant to encourage us along the way. And you just watch this play out over and over and over again. Like, like Moses, he was a murderer who had a temper. And, it, and it's not like once his temper issue is solved, then God starts to use him. No. A murdering man with a temper is actually used by God. And that's confusing to us. It's it's disorienting to us because as much as we want to argue against it, God does not need our perfection in order to flow through us with his power. It's actually that belief that I believe that is going to rob you out of experiencing the power of God in your life. So you got Moses who killed a guy, still has a temper, and God offers him. God's over it, and God says, you know, I'm going to give you the promised land. I'm going to make you wealthy. I'm going to give you lands. I'm going to give you comfort, but I'm not going. I'm, I'm out. I'm, I'm going to send an angel with you. I'm done. What does Moses say? No, thank you. No, thank you. I don't want it. I don't want that. I want you. If you're not coming You can keep wealth, you can keep comfort, you can keep long life. What I want, God, is you. I will not go into the promised land if you're not going to be there. Do you hear it in the scripture? Hunger and thirst. I want you, God. Not I want what you can give me. Because God was, what God was doing was here, take my gifts. Take, take the blessing. And what does Moses say? I don't want your gifts. I want you, God. Hunger and thirst. And then we see it again in David. Now, I mean, we've been going through Psalms and on Wednesday nights. It's been really powerful. But David, if we could just put it nicely. Nicely. David's guilty of adultery and murder. That's nice. That's me sugarcoating it. All right? Right? Like, how can this man be called a man after God's own heart by God? What does God like about David? That's a man after my own heart. Are you serious? The adulterer murderer guy? That one? That's the one? Yes, because David's also the man that says, as the deer pants for the water, so my soul longs for you. My soul thirsts for you like a dry and weary land where there is no water. When can I meet with you, God? One thing I ask and one thing I seek is that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord in his temple. What is that? Hunger and thirst. 
What I'm trying to do is I'm trying to reorder how you're thinking about life and go, no, 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 no. God's not about perfection. He actually gives you an eye perfection. What's meant to be cultivated, though, is a heart that hungers and thirsts for righteousness. Why? Because he said they shall be filled. So, so here's, here's my question. Assuming that you're here today and there is some inkling, maybe you're just on a bottle. I don't, I don't know. Maybe you're on the mashed up gross food stage. I don't, I don't know where you are. You've been at this maybe for 30, 40 years every night, just feasting on T-bone every night, like you're in the word of God, right? What I want to do is kind of lay before you I think things that stir up a greater appetite, a greater kind of thirst for the things of God. So that's it. Just, just, a, just a few things. Now, here, I, I want to set this before you for your consideration. I'm not going to say anything new this morning. You're like, oh, man, we were over here for something fresh, man. I'm not going to say anything new to you this morning. What I'm praying for is the gap between what you know and what you practice actually decreases a little bit. I'm not saying, I'm not saying a thing today that's going to make you go, I have never thought of that. I promise. I think even if you are not a Christian, you're here today just visiting because your neighbor made you and you just felt bad about it, just like, okay, I'll go and appease them. I think if, you, if that's you and you're not a Christian, you're not a believer, like this is your first time ever in church service, I don't think I'm going to say anything and you're going to be like, that really shocked me. So what does it look like to have a hunger and thirst cultivated in us if that's what pleases God? Here's the first thing, nothing new, actively reading the Bible. What am I talking about? When we come to the word of God, we're asking the spirit to do the work of illumination, right? Actively reading, completely different than passively. How easy it is for us to get lost in the busyness of life where all of a sudden we are treating the word of God like a newspaper, like a blog, like a Facebook post. No, 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 no. We actively read it. What are you talking about? Again, where we're asking the spirit of the Lord to do the work of illumination, which is great because if you've been filled with the Holy Ghost, his spirit lives inside of you. And here's what you're going to see whenever you look into his word. You're going to see him. You're going to see who God is. Friend, you don't have to guess who he is. He's revealed himself to you. He's revealed himself to you. Now, there are many that think that God is such a mystery. That, and to a degree, I'm with you because there is still so much to learn. There is still so much to know. We're barely scratching the surface in all of these years that we've been here on planet Earth. We still don't know it all. And there are a lot of people that say God's a mystery, you know, those things that we don't know. And they like to use the scripture, I hath not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. We say that and we talk about heaven, but keep reading. Read the very next verse. It says, but God hath revealed those things unto you by his spirit. For the spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. Folks, you don't have to guess. It's in the word. The word will tell you. You don't have to trust your intuition. In fact, I beg you not to trust your intuition. <laughs> I plead with you, don't trust your intuition. Well, I think God is like, no, 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 no. I wouldn't trust that impulse in you. 
God has revealed himself when we come to the word of God and we read it actively. God, show me who you are. Reveal to me who you are. You're going to see in the scripture the steadfast love of God. You're going to see him moved by his faithfulness. You're going to see him compassionate and full of grace and mercy. There will be weird things that jump out at you in the word of God. Weird things. Like, like the fact that he never sleeps. You know how awesome it is to go to bed at night and know he's not going to bed? You know how amazing that is to be able to leave your office and know that he'll continue to work for his good pleasure and for your joy? You know how good that is? How amazing that is? I just simply say, thank you, Jesus, that all that is undone, I know that you'll continue to work on it. And all that we didn't get done today, you will continue to work in and through. We can leave it right there. God doesn't sleep. But yet we can leave the office so that we can go home and be a mom, a dad, a husband, a wife. You know what that is? That's God showing himself to us as wonderful, as loving, as all-powerful. I mean, you want to watch him be patient with people and then believe he can be patient with you? It's in the book. And then I love it because if you put, if you put these two things together, I believe you just crush the, the, the works of the enemy. When we see who God is, when we actively read the word of God, guess what? We also see who we are. And when you see who he is and what he says about you, I think that that absolutely destroys the work of the enemy in your life. Did you know that the primary works of the enemy in your life is to accuse you, to deceive you, and effectively take you out of understanding how God sees you and what he says about you? That's the primary attack of the enemy. But folks, when you are actively reading the word of God and you have a right view of him and you begin to see how God talks about you and sees you and plans to interact with you, then I think that the enemy's schemes are completely undone. His power is nullified. And guess what? We just get to walk in victory. We get to walk in victory what would it be like to if we were to meet every accusation with the reality of there's no condemnation for me in Christ Jesus what would that mean if we could meet it every accusation every what would it be like when that thought flashes across your mind that you're not a good enough man you're not a great enough mom you're not a you're a terrible you're a failure as a father what would it be like to meet every one of those with hey I'm a child of God I'm a friend of Jesus I am beloved by the God of the universe. What would it be like to respond to every accusation and be like, my old self is crucified with Christ. Anybody got some stuff back there? Anybody got some stuff back there that in the past that wants to jump up every now and then and pop in your head every once in a while and tries to steal something from you? And here's what's great. When I can feel the enemy kind of roll that into my mind, the book tells me that that Bryce Jones died a long time ago, that that Bryce Jones is crucified with Christ. He's been buried with him. He experienced resurrection power. I'm a child of God. That's what actively reading the Bible does if you actively read it. Am I saying that every morning, midway through Leviticus, that the Holy Ghost is just going to empower you? Some mornings. Some mornings. In the end, when we open up the book and we're like, I want to meet you. 
I'm not trying to put just a bunch of knowledge in my brain. I, I want to meet you. Show me who you are. Show me who I am. Continue to stir me. This starts to fuel a hunger and thirst for righteousness. I see you, God. I, I delight in you. I understand what you're doing in me and why you can be trusted in what you're doing in me. And it just makes us more and more hungry, more and more thirsty. I also think what what happens when you start actively reading the Bible, you will see the foolishness in trusting yourself over God. Listen, the Bible is somewhat of a grimy book. Okay, it is it is filled. It is filled with the in fact, it is almost every MO of the hero of the scriptures. Except except Jesus. And we see this, we see this played out all throughout. People begin to trust God. They have a crisis. They decide to take matters in their own hands, and they face the ferocious just turbulence or whirlwind from turning their back on God trying to do it their own way. Now you watch that story over and over and over again and you feel that you, you, you feel in, and, 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 you, and if you're watching that and reading that and as you actively read the Bible in your day of crisis and it's coming and you feel that pull towards let me manage this let me get my arms around it let me get my let me take this you're going to go no 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 that's what all the morons of the bible did i'm not doing that you'll know that if you're actively reading the word of god no i'm not going to do that i'm not i'm not going to make that mistake i saw how that played out they all follow this mo Let me take matters in my own hands rather than let me go to this good, gracious, kind God and let me ask for mercy and help and strength. Right, so so you want to grow in a hunger and thirst for righteousness. You want, you want happy are those, blessed are those, full are those, satisfied are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. We have to actively be in the word of God. We have to actively be reading the word of God. Now, again, no one in this room didn't know that. Even if you're not a Christian, you're not over there going, wait, 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 what? what? You, you guys have sacred literature? No. We, 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 we know this. So what's the gap? I'm glad you asked. Because it leads to my next point. Not only are we going to hunger and thirst for righteousness, not only do we need to actively read and understand the Word of God, and this is so simple, you have to obey what you know. Here's a troubling thing. There are all sorts of people that want to see the power of God in their lives to walk in the power of God. And those same people have no desire to do what he tells them to do. I'm trying to help us. You you want to see the power of God in, in and through you. And this is gonna sound crazy to you, but be obedient to what you know. Those powerful experiences that you're longing for to experience God in the deep places those experiences happen most frequently out of our comfort zones and into acts of faith that guess what line up to God's commands on our lives In the same way that your physical appetite is oftentimes conformed by the benefit of what you consume. So I know that I know that I know that you you like the taste of coffee, but you also like that that little kick, right? That caffeine rush. Come on, don't don't. 
Come on. Best part of wake it up. This morning, I almost ran to it. I just didn't get much sleep last night. It ain't just about the taste. (laughs) Have you ever been around people that started a new diet, um, and, and all of a sudden, it's just a miracle? Like, it's just a miracle. And the way they're talking about it is like, you gotta try this. I'm down so many pounds. I'm thinking clearly. I'm sleeping better. I'm getting along with my husband. I'm, I'm all these things are happening. My hair's coming back. This thing is amazing. Right? Yeah. What diet is that? <laughs> And then what ends up happening is when you experience the benefit of specific things, it actually empowers and emboldens more of it. So you realize, man, you you getting up in the morning and drinking that coffee, oh man, I like it, but it also gives me a little boom, let's go. You, I mean, you eat clean for a little bit and you start to feel the benefits and it reinforces the strength. Maybe I shouldn't eat a couple bowls of Fruity Pebbles at 9.30 at night right before going to bed. Maybe I should cut that down to one. And that's a big maybe. Maybe you don't do that. Maybe you just continue with the two bowls, but at least you thought about it. And I don't know about anybody else, but, but, but this, this, this reinforces. And the same thing is true spiritually. Like when you step out in faith and be obedient to what you know, you are now positioned to experience the power of God in you and through you. And I don't know about anybody else, but nothing is more worship encouraging to me than seeing that God could use a guy just like me. Right? Because I think that there are some that still don't believe that God could use you in powerful ways. I think that there are far too many that believe that's for somebody else. I believe that's for like those people, and, and but not like me. How could God use me? God couldn't use me. God couldn't use me for his glory. He couldn't use me to be a witness and influence people to follow him. That's for the professionals. That's for other people. And I just want to say, says who? Certainly not the Bible. This Bible says that God is for you, not against you. And I'm telling you, if God can use the heroes in Hebrews 11, God can use your broken, your distorted life. God, just be obedient to what you know. Even when you don't understand it sometimes. I got, I got three children, three boys, and they all have this disorder. Maybe some of you have been through this. It's terrible. It's called delayed obedience. It's a, it's a very painful thing. It's, it's not that they're disobedient. It's just that they take a long time to be and get obedient. Right. Hey, will you do this? Yeah, I'll get on it. An hour later. Hey, did you, are, did you good to get? I was about to. My bad? I, it looked like you weren't. It's delayed obedience. I'll eventually get to it. Right, but listen, tell me that's not how we play our relationship with God sometimes. God says, I want you to confess this. I want you to give this. I want you to live like this. I want you to love your neighbor like this. Think about the gap between what you know and what you do. What is that? That's delayed obedience. What is that? But saying to the Lord, I'll get to it. Give me some time. I'll get to it. Trying to finish up this, we'll, we'll move on. So actively read the, read the word of God. We're going to obey what we know. And then, and I know you know this, but prioritizing the right relationships. 
prioritizing relationships that will stir our desire for the things of God. You are going to become more and more like the people you spend the most time with. That's God's design, okay? It is unavoidable. You And, and if you spend all of your time with people that are half-hearted, sit on the sideline, Jesus is somewhere in my calendar but isn't in my life, you will become more and more like that. And the more that we prioritize relationships that's all about Jesus, that always end up somehow talking about the things of God, zealously hoping for these things to be happening around us, you're going to become more and more like that. And this is what the author of Hebrews is saying in chapter 10. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. Hear me. What we do continually and together shapes us. What we do continually and together. Now, I'm saying if you want to have your affections stirred for God and you want to grow in your hunger and thirst for righteousness, you must prioritize the right relationships. And I'm not asking anybody to break up with anybody. It's not what I'm doing. I'm not asking anybody after service to go ahead and call those friends. Hey, let's get together for dinner. It's us, not you. I think we should just kind of separate a little bit. We're not going to be your friends anymore. That's not what I'm asking you to do. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying you should be prioritizing the relationships that fuel and feed a hunger for thirst and righteousness in your life. And you should be asking the Lord to turn you into that kind of person. One that when people are around you, they are encouraged. Right? It's way easy to take this verse and go, that's church attendance. Don't neglect the house of God. Don't neglect the gathering. I'll be there Sunday morning. It's bigger than that. It's not just about Sunday morning. It's about life. And I'm just wondering how many of us get stuck in a herd of indifference. A herd that has lost their way, good people, but just still drinking the milk. Prioritize. And then lastly, one of the things that you can do to help cultivate a hunger and thirst, a greater appetite, is learn to call out the idols in your life and starve. Identify those idols. Isaiah 55, 1 through 3 says, Come all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. And you have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen to me and eat what is good, and you will delight in the richest affair. Give ear and come to me. Listen that you may live. I will make an everlasting covenant with you, my faithful love promise to David. Two quick questions. What kills your appetite for the things of God? Let me paint a picture for how it works. Emotions. Any feelers in the room like you feel deeply? No? We're all just, okay. Two. I know who you are. Because I am one of you. <laughs> I could be an emotional person. But um, emotions are such a great gift. They're, they're a great gift of God's grace. But let me tell you this. Emotions will lie to you like crazy. Won't they? So let me, let me paint a picture. We'll have kind of an emotional flare-up, right? And I don't know which one is yours. I just know what the most frequent ones are, and it's usually anger or loneliness. And it will come out of nowhere. We don't, we don't know where it comes from. It's just kind of this weird compulsion that we have. And let's see if this resonates. You wake up, and nothing's really happened, but you're just, it's just that day. It just, it just starts off bothering you, right? 
It's not like something happened. It's just like something was gonna happen because you woke up that way. Maybe it's not anger. Maybe you're just prone to melancholy. I don't really know. But, you know, you just wake up and you're like, ah, why is life so hard? What do you, what do you mean? You just got out of bed? I, exactly. Right. Yeah, but, you know, right? So what happens is, is in that kind of moment, and what's great about emotions is you can call it sort of a spiritual MRI. You can call it a check engine light. So what you do next when that light comes on reveals whether you have an idol that needs to be starved or you have a savior who you're trusting. So you know how easy it is when that thing happens, that thing you don't quite understand, but it's there and it's terrible, it's angry, it's lonely, it's whatever it is. I don't know what flares up inside of you. I'm saying that anger and loneliness are two of the most prevalent of our day. You know how easy it is in that moment to run to the fridge and grab the haagen Some of you like looking away at me like that's not me. The bluebell, come on. I don't know what your go-to is, but you know how easy it is in that moment to just, just sit on the couch and fire up Netflix and just binge. And you know how easy it is for some to just turn to something even worse than those things, like a pill or a bottle? You know how easy it is in that moment when that's happening, when we don't know what to do with it and we can't fix it just to numb it out. And everything that we're trying to numb it with, numb it out with is bread and wine that will not satisfy. Because what happens to that anger and loneliness once you've tried to numb it with a bowl of ice cream and a show? Does it go away or does it get worse? Right? But the, but the promise is, hey, I can take all that heartache away. I can take, I can make your day. Pour me in a bowl of, grab a spoon, whatever. Let's sit down for a while. Let's get away from stuff. I can make it all better. No, 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 no. It's an idol. It's betraying you. Having a rough day? Here, just do this. Just sit down. Let's just scroll for a little bit. It's lies. It's pulling us in to take us away from the one place we might actually start to starve and put to death the root of what's truly going on inside of us. Do you see what's happening here? As our music comes this morning, you see what's happening where we actively read the word of God. We're being obedient to what it says. We're surrounded by people that, that speak life. We're not running in a herd of indifference. We're running in a herd of unity. Do you see? And then we are looking for ways to where we, God, I want to run to you. I don't want to run to those things. And we'll stumble. Hear me right now. We'll stumble and we'll fall along the way, but we'll have these people in our lives who are there to quickly pick us back up to help point our face to where it belongs, to remind us of what it says about us in the Word of God, and to help call us back into the fight as we lean into the grace and the mercy of God. So here's how I want to end. There's, no, there's just no question that you and I are in a very unique moment in history. At least the history of our nation. We are in the middle of cultural disintegration. Everybody see it? We've lost our mind as a society. And it's getting darker, not lighter. Oh, that, might, that, that statement, Bryce, that just overwhelms me. It's so dark out there. It's so scary. It's frightening. Can't do this anymore. Can't take my kids to this anymore. Can't let them watch this anymore. It's unbelievable. Hear me right now, and I want you to hear me. We were made for a moment like this. Where is salt and light more necessary 
than with the eclipsing darkness and decay. Salt as a preservative, light shining into the darkness. We have got, by the grace of God, to close the gap between what we know and what we live. We were made for this moment. It has been given to us. It's not been given to our grandparents. Different day, different fights. We've got a unique one on our hands. So what does it look like to live into this moment as the people of God? What does it look like? I can answer it for us. I can't answer it for you. God has placed you in a specific domain where you work. He's put you into a specific neighborhood. He's given you specific abilities and gifts and talents. So there's a sense in which we, we were made for this moment. Us, Landmark Apostolic Church. But then you have to consider as a part of the whole what it looks like for you to live into this. Let me lay it before you one more time maybe because we're all over the place here this morning some of you have been faithfully following Jesus for 20 30 40 years some of you this is like week four or day one and that's different and if all of this seems so new to you because you are new you shouldn't feel bad about that at all just look forward to the next level. Oh, I heard that's amazing. How do I get there? When do I get there? You'll get there. Just keep moving forward. Just keep pressing forward. Keep closing the gap. Maybe you're new. Maybe you've been, maybe you've been here a little while and you're starting to get past the milk. Or maybe you've been at this for a long time and you're feasting on the word of God all the time. Congratulations. That's amazing. But the question I want to ask you and the question I want you to ask yourself, where, regardless of where I am in this journey, where do I need to step in cultivating a greater hunger, a greater thirst for the things of God. Where do I need to do that at? Is it actively reading the Bible? Maybe that's where you should. Maybe you've been reading the Bible for years, but not actively. You haven't opened it up and come with great expectation that the Spirit of God would show you something about himself, something about you, and give you strength for the journey. Maybe that's where you should start. God, show me in your word. Show me who you are. Show me who I Remind me again. Reveal yourself to me. What, it, what would it look like if you read the Bible that way? Versus going, oh, here's my passage for the day. Check. Folks, that's not eating. That, that's not eating at all. We want to eat, right? If that's you, I just encourage you. Spend time in the Word this week. Spend time in the Word this week. Open it up. Feast on the Word of God. It's not a race. Slow down. Read it. Start in the Gospels. If you don't have anywhere else to start, start in the Gospels. Read it slowly. Pick it up this week and read it slowly. Read the, read, open up a chapter. Read the first eight or nine, ten verses. Stop. Meditate on it. Think about it. It's an active process, not a passive process. Or maybe you've got delayed obedience. And it's just been a long time and the Lord's been on you. You need to do this. You need to take it. You need to engage your neighbor like this. You need to seek forgiveness. You need to take this step of faith. And we've just kind of dug in our heels a little bit and said, I'll get to it. Well, maybe today can be the day that you get to it. Or maybe you're surrounded by indifference. Again, I don't, I don't want you to go break up with anybody today, but what would it look like if you 
prioritize. Because, hey, there's only so much time we have here, right? So what does it look like? Like I'm going to prioritize a set of relationships that stir me up for the things of God. And then lastly, what does it look like to starve your idols? What does it look like? The next compulsion is there that, um, I just want to binge. I just want to get away. I just want to numb it. No, 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 no. What it will look like. What would it look like if you were to, I'm going to starve that. And I'm going to get to the place where we can work on this. Stand with me if you will. Now, let me just say this, and I have kept you for far too long, but you need to pray about these things because you need to have answers for these things. It's not enough for you to know these things. I don't think anybody in here is thinking, oh, I'm supposed to read my Bible? I'm supposed to be obedient? Did that really shock anybody? I hope not. I think a lot of us knew to prioritize relationships that serves us up for the things of God, but I think sometimes we just get lost in it. The drift, the drift is never towards a well-armored life that can just keep punching the enemy in the face. The drift is always toward indifference. The drift is always toward comfort. The drift is always away from the things of God. Which is why we fight with the grace of God by the Spirit of God to armor ourselves up for the day in which we live. So what does it look like for you just to actively move toward Him today? How can you close the gap or at least get started. Would you just lift up your voice with me right now and just begin to pray? I don't know where you need to start. I don't know what step you are on on the journey. Only you know that. But ask yourself, God, how can I close the gap? God, is it, is it, feasting on your word or is it actively God being in it and knowing who you are what it says about me God Lord help me prioritize some wrong relationships Lord that I've held on to and that I look to and lean upon and get advice from God help me to turn toward those that will stir me God, help me to surround myself with like-minded people that have a desire to increase their appetite for the things of righteousness, God. Lord, help us to starve out our idols, the things that are betraying us in our life, God. Help us, Holy Ghost, to move toward you today. And we ask it all in your precious name. Help us today. In the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you for listening. Special thanks to those that give generously to this ministry. If you would like more information, please visit our website at landmarkapostolicchurch.net. But have a great day and God bless.